Welcome to that sports show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, but that sports show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. This is the weekly Impact Media ride right through the world of uh, most of the major sports, especially with so much going on here in Atlanta. Tonight, we're going to talk NASCAR. We're going to talk F1. We're going to start talking Atlanta Hawks because they've kicked off their season and they are kicking some derriere in the NBA. I'm going to bring back my picks that I mysteriously, for some reason, didn't make the show last week. But before we get into, uh, Rex is going to start with some Falcons and some NFL. Before we get into that, I want to tell you that if you would like to contact the show, Leave us a question, comment, suggestion, uh, follow the show, any any kind of way you want to interact with the show, you can do so in the following ways. If you want to email the show, you can do so 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. I do answer each and every one of those, as a lot of you have found out. That is me who responds. You can also search for us on Facebook, Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York. Any of those should find us. If not, refer back to the email. If you are one of those people who just likes to click a link and listen to a show, we love you guys too. You can go to Twitter, at Team Impact Media. You'll find all our shows there. You can click on the one you like and listen to it there. If you want to follow me and my random... Uh, banterings, show notes, all kinds of stuff we get into on and off the show. You can do so at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. And of course, anywhere you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, the iTunes Store, and uh, many, many other places. If there is a place that you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us, let us know. We will remedy that as soon as we can. As I said, there is a lot to get into this week. I'm going to start with some NFL headlines and some big things going on. So the big things going on in the NFL right now. Let's start with a couple of the trades. There were some trades. Compensation is not that super important. But you have uh, Jonathan Hankins that is going from Oakland to Dallas to give them more defensive tackle depth uh, for just a couple picks. I, I, I like the move, not just not just as somebody who likes the Cowboys, but I like the move because clearly Oakland didn't think that Jonathan was factoring into their future plans, and Dallas says, you know what? I very much think that we can use him here. James Robinson is going to go from the sunny banks of Jacksonville to the uh, sunny banks of New York. Why not? 
as he is going to the Jets. You know, the Jets just lost Brees Hall. They have to replace him somehow. James Robinson is somebody who is available. Let's just keep in mind, Brees Hall is a A-level runner. James Robinson currently is probably a B to a B plus. He's, he's not that far away. A lot of people try to say there's a big difference. There's not as big a difference as you would imagine. But uh, Robinson is going to go to the Jets. He's going to help him out there. He could be a good fantasy pickup if he's available in your leagues. And then, of course, the big trade as CMC, otherwise known as Christian McCaffrey, is going from Charlotte to Inglewood as he is now a San Francisco 49er. Now, the thing I want to say about this, first of all, good for Christian. He survived many coaching changes. He survived a uh, owner change. You know, you, you don't get to pick where you get drafted. He got drafted to a pretty decent team. He, he did some good things. Once again, sip a coffee, and uh, I would tell you what kind of coffee it is, but they do not sponsor the show. If you have amazing coffee and you'd like to sponsor the show, scroll back earlier in the episode and find all the ways you can contact us and let us know. We'd love to feature your uh, coffee on the show. But speaking of cups of coffee, he now gets his cup of coffee with San Francisco. Like I said, he, he outlasted a lot of things in Charlotte. I don't think the Panthers are a bad organization. People try to paint them out to be. They're going through a rough patch right now. They're 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 gonna they're gonna pick a new coach. We're gonna see what they do from there. Uh, you know, some fun stuff. But now Kyle Shanahan has a new weapon, and the prevailing thought is there's two prevailing thoughts. Well, there's actually three. There's the Sean McVay approach of uh, holy. We'll censor this for a family audience. Holy poop. Holy crap. The San Francisco has another offensive weapon. Uh, understandable that Sean McVay has never been an NFL head coach and learned how to control his emotions before. It's fine. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's one reaction. Another reaction is, oh, well, Christian McCaffrey can never stay healthy. He's been healthy so far. Just... Uh, and I understand as a as a previous fantasy football owner of Christian McCaffrey, I, I totally get it. But that is a game. So the other thought is that, oh, they gave up so much. Look at the draft compensation, all those picks they gave up. They overpaid. So so you don't over sometimes overpay for things that you really want. Maybe it's a car, uh, a house, maybe a haircut. You know, you you can't tell me that maybe there's a certain person that styles your hair a, a certain way or um that fifty dollar mall T-shirt you got on right now. It's uh, you you couldn't couldn't get a ten dollar one from somewhere else that looks just like it. You had, you had to get the $50 because you wanted the $50 because it looks better. And hey, I'm right there with you. There are certain things, certain brands even, that I have no problem paying slightly more for because that's the brand I want. Maybe it's a type of potato chip. Maybe it's a, a blanket. Whatever it is, 
there are things in this world that we, everybody has their own list of things you will pay a little more for and know you're overpaying slightly for it because there's a cheaper alternative that does the same thing. But you want that particular version. That's what San Francisco just did. They did what the Rams did, and nobody seems to say a whole lot about when the Rams just dumped their entire first front end of their draft to go get a, a player, a Jalen Ramsey or, you know, Matt Stafford. Nobody said, oh, it's just, oh, the Rams are loading up. Oh, they're, it's like, so San Francisco just, just did a uh, forget those picks. And once again, I'm censoring that for all the little ears that may be listening. Shout out to all you guys that are listening in the back of your parents' cars and don't control the radio, so you get stuck listening to me. Hi, guys. Hi. Maybe mom and dad will take you for ice cream. Ice cream's another thing. Maybe there's a certain brand that you re- that you really like. And I'm, I'm not naming any of these because, once again, they don't sponsor the show. But that's a whole different thing. So you guys can say all you want. I mean, I could sit here and, and say the same thing. Oh, they, they, they overvalued Christian McCaffrey. Or they, no. They paid what they agreed with Charlotte was fair. They Both sides had to agree to it. It is a two-party transaction. Christian McCaffrey has already been cleared. He's he's already played last weekend. Uh, played a handful of snaps. And looks like it's it's gonna it's gonna work out pretty good. So good for Christian McCaffrey, good for San Francisco, good for Charlotte. They got a good haul. They need to rebuild that team. They've got a pretty good defense. They've got some other pieces that they can do things with. What got Matt Rule fired was that he could not get the quarterback right. That would be where I use some of those picks. In this coming up draft, there are going to be, I would say, three to four quarterbacks that you better get one of them. I'm a little I'm a little biased on Will Levis, but, uh, you know, Bryce is in there. Uh, there, there's there's going to be, seriously, three or four towards the top end of this draft. You should definitely do your homework and definitely choose one. And make sure you surround them with things. If you got that many picks, Carolina, how about you uh, how about you give him a couple weapons and you get him some linemen? Let's do that. But good for Chris McCaffrey, good for San Francisco, good for Charlotte. Uh, I just want to briefly touch on this one. Apparently, there were some referees who, while on duty, while still wearing their pinstripes, tried to get or got a Mike Evans autograph. And I don't care what the NFL says. We know what this is about. This had nothing to do with setting up golf lessons. This had nothing to do with any other made-up stuff they did there. I've got to agree with Mike Florio. Why downplay and deflect this whole thing so much only to turn over the quote-unquote real answer to an in-house reporter who works for the league, and he broke the story as to it was golf lessons. Or No, we don't buy it at all. Do you think I'm going to, right now, get my wallet out. I'm looking right now. No, it says right there, I may have been born a good while ago, but it was not yesterday. NFL, we, we already, I don't know why you guys lie about this crap. This it's, We know what happened. I doubt anything happens to referees. I would have suspended them for a week or so just to go cut it out. I've heard other players and former players say, look, I've never seen anything like this happen before. Not saying it ever did or didn't, and I get it. But next time, referees, here's an idea. You want Mike Evans' autograph? 
say something to him at the end of the game, meet him in the tunnel, meet him in, outside the locker room after you've changed out of your uniform, figure something out that way. This is just like the NASCAR thing where uh, Cole Custer got a big penalty because on his radio, he discussed potentially helping his teammate get past a lot of people by uh, running blocker and, and doing things like that. It happens all the time in racing where people help each other out. You just don't say it out loud on your radio. In this case, you don't do it out in public where everybody can't see you. There are thousands, tens of thousands of people around an NFL stadium, especially at the end of a game. You don't need two referees talking to the star of one of the teams. It just you got to be smarter than that, guys. You've got to be smarter. Um, let's get a little bit into this. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, I'll say it, are not all in on this season. Rodgers blames everybody but himself when um, he, you know, shows up when he wants to. Missed a lot of offseason, missed a lot of reps. Brady the same way. That tells me right there that you're not committed to this. In fact, I will echo the sentiments of a friend of mine who also does a podcast, and he said this. He said, look, if I was one of those offensive linemen and Brady was screaming and yelling at me, uh, he he said there would be a violent gesture, a uh, smack uh, to the facial region of Brady uh, for him doing that. And he would bring up the point, hey, at least we were all at practice and run through and walk through and you were at Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday. Outside of the violent part, because I don't condone that. I don't condone violence, especially in that situation. I got to agree. If uh, Brady, if you're going to yell at people, you should be accountable. And the problem is, is you're not accountable. And you don't hold yourself accountable because you missed days of practice and the most important walkthroughs and run-throughs and reps with an offensive line that is not good and needs the reps and needs the reps with their QB1. They don't need Blaine Gabbert. Having Blaine Gabbert back there doesn't help him because he's not going to play in the game. Blaine Gabbert's a good guy. He's a decent quarterback, whether it's him or Blake Bortles or uh, – doesn't matter. Search your favorite quarterback here. The fact that you're missing practice time, especially late in the in the week before a big game, to go to somebody's well, I don't care whose wedding it is. It could be the president. It could be the king of Neptune. It could be the princess of Pluto. Does not matter. Don't scream and yell at people if you're not willing to put in the work too. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wants to say, well, the players that they put in were not ready to play. Maybe they should do different players. So now it's the coaching staff's fault that you don't like young receivers. You ran off the good one, that you, the really, really good one that you had. You had to bring back Randall Cobb because you don't like any of the other ones you have. And he's so dinged up and towards the end of his career that he doesn't play half the time. But no, it's, it's definitely not your fault, Aaron. No, I, I couldn't see that. Um, or the fact that you take exotic vacations during training camp and show up, I don't know, in August. Once again, missing all those reps. But yeah, once again, not your fault. Uh, you take hallucinogenic drugs and uh, empty your insides for three days straight. Yeah, that sounds amazing, by the way. Uh, so many other people catching 
viruses that are that are making them do that and you are choosing to do it. Yeah, that tells me a lot, by the way. It, and it's it's okay for you to do those things. And to I, I think he, he is, if it's helping him on the spiritual path, and that's one thing. It's, we're not going to get into religion and spiritualness and things like that. But the point here is Brady and his skills are starting to erode, and he has no offensive line. And guess what? Rodgers is in the same boat. Rodgers can still make some plays, but it's so hard for him to carry a team with no offensive line. David Bakhtiari is probably done. He is always, he's a lot more missed than hit lately. I hate it for him, but it just looks like that knee is just not going to hold it together. Ross Tucker even said that if Bakhtiari were to ask him, he would advise that maybe he should just consider not playing anymore because that knee is never going to be the same. It's probably going to need another surgery just for him to function properly and that's just a whole nother thing but no offensive line the weapons around him are fine but both these quarterbacks we're seeing that the as talented as they are they can't hold it all together they're not as good as they were before and so if you guys are not going to be all in and not going to be accountable I don't know how you can expect your teammates to be. It's just like the thing everybody says. You have to first believe in yourself or you can't expect others to do so. I believe in myself. I believe in my listeners. I have fantastic listeners, and I enjoy interacting with each and every one of you guys, and I appreciate the feedback. You guys think I'm wrong on that? Send me a message. would gladly debate it. Hey, at some point, maybe we'll have some of you guys. We'll open up uh, some phone lines and uh, do this live somewhere down the road. Let some of you guys call in if you want. Say what you want. Keep it clean. We're our family friendly, but we'll uh, we'll look at something like that down the road, maybe closer to the holidays. Hold me accountable. Hold me to that. I would love to interact with you guys. Uh, but yeah, Brady Rogers. As good as they are, two of the best of all time. They're just not cutting anymore. They they have got to be more accountable. And then lastly, speaking of being accountable. I got to give the Colts credit. They're being accountable. They have looked at the performance of Matt Ryan and some other things on their team this year, and they have said it's not cutting it. So to be more accountable, Matty Ice is chilling out on the bench. Insert Ellinger. They say we're going to start Ellinger. I I don't see a problem in that. Do you guys see a problem in that? Uh, Sam Ellinger. That's his name, Ellinger. We're going to start Sam Ellinger. I can't blame you. I can't blame you at all. For one, he was here last year. You brought in Matt Ryan over the top of him. That's fine. You thought Matt Ryan was, was going to be the answer. Turns out he's not. I don't think that's the fault of Matt Ryan. I think uh, just some things didn't line up. I think you still keep him around in case things go south with Sam. Still got somebody you can at least turn it over to, but they decided to be more accountable. It may even be the theme of tonight, accountability. So they say, you know what? We got this guy last year in the draft. He was like a third, fourth, fifth round pick, whatever he was, out of Texas. He was good at Texas. He was quite good at Texas. So we're going to see what we have in the kid. They're pretty much saying we're going to ride this pony the rest of the year. And I think. 
maybe you're getting a little over overconfident to start with, but I would say, hey, we're going to play the kid for at least a handful of games. If it starts to just go completely off the rails, we'll turn it back over to Matt and we'll just ride this season out. But instead, they're like, we're going to put, we're going to put Sam in. We're going to see what he's got. And maybe the kid's got something. Maybe they can point and say, finally, since Andrew Luck, like seven or eight quarterbacks ago, since Andrew Luck, we finally have a franchise potential guy we can turn this over to. Because the Colts are a good, you know, they're, they're a good organization. They've got a lot of really good pieces. They've got Jonathan Taylor. They've got a lot of running backs that have done well. They're in, they're, the impact of their offensive line has been uh, pretty good. They're still one of the best lines, offensive lines, in the, in the league. They're in a division that is, I don't understand why the AFC and NFC South are always so just crazy. It's like they're all really good or they're all really bad. It's just, it's usually wide open. Uh, Jacksonville looks a little better. Houston is, is uh, treading water. Uh, the Titans are pretty much going to win this division by default because the Colts are probably not going to have the firepower to stay with them. Late. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Sam Ellinger comes in and, and lights the place up. We'll find out this week, but good for the Colts in saying we're accountable. Maybe bringing Matt in wasn't the thing, but we're going to see what Sam can do. Why not? Because then at least you can say we tried. We tried everything we could. Hope it works out. Really do. Uh, But that's the NFL headlines, kind of what's going on so far this week. Right now, I want to get, I want to talk a little, I want to talk a little Falcons. Now, of course, we know that the Falcons uh, come up on the short end of the stick against the Bengals. The Bengals, arguably a top eight or nine team in this league, they, I know what you could say, well, they were three and three coming in. Yes, but those three losses were by a combined eight or nine points. They lost close games. It took them a little bit to heat up this year. You know, they were losing like 20 to 17. They were losing... I'll tell you the actual scores. Look those up. Here we go. Um, they lost 23 to 20 to the Steelers. They lost 20 to 17 to the Bengals. I mean, not the Bengals, to the Cowboys. They lost 19 to 17 to the Ravens. So a combined, what is that, three, six, seven, eight, eight points. Three losses, eight points. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. And they have probably the best receiving core in the league. I mean, at any given time, when you can say, I'm going to throw it to Tyler Boyd. I'm going to throw it to Jamar Chase, to Higgins, uh, Hayden Hurst. I know that was stung a little bit, Falcons, because he was here a couple years ago. But uh, he wouldn't have been here if you, if you had pets, by the way. Uh, having Joe Mixon coming out of the, the, the backfield, having uh, Burrow that can scramble around. I mean, th- this team is loaded. This team is, is absolutely loaded. Uh, they lit up a Falcons defensive backcourt that had multiple injuries coming in. That picked up more injuries by the end. That is not the excuse. That is merely facts. Because at some point, you just try to put a warm body out there. We've all been there. You've worked at a place that, I mean, maybe it was just a couple years ago during the uh, the, the height 
of and the COVID stuff still going on, so you guys be careful out there. But during the height of the epidemic, global epidemic, where sometimes maybe you barely had enough players on the field to make it work. Maybe you didn't. You had to shut down a day or so. I know of places that that did both. That you know, it's it's to the point. Hey, we're we're trying to field a, a nine players for baseball. We've got uh, we've got five people in the field. We're just uh, gonna put. We we've got a, a second baseman is just gonna throw the pitches from there. We've got uh, two guys in the outfield. We've got a couple other people. There there's a catcher, and uh, we're gonna put somebody around third base and just uh, over the best. You know, sometimes you have to do that to make it work. And the Falcons at least made it work. They're only three and four. They're still in a virtual tie, even though they technically are in second because of the tiebreaker. Two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We just talked about Brady. That team is in turmoil. At this point, the Falcons are actually the most consistent, solid team in the division. Yeah, don't cry for me, Argentina. All right? Just, yeah, they're actually the better team. And I know what you guys are saying. Well, this is a run-heavy team. Yes. It has Drake London, Kyle Pitts, uh, Darius Bird, Alameda Zacchaeus, Williams. Yes. Yes. You have those people. You have those pieces. Well, Mariota only threw 13 times, and he only had eight completions. He did. Uh, that wasn't the game plan. Uh, he didn't throw an interception, by the way. And he was sacked three times. So offensive line, let's let's get along that. One of, one of those was on at least one of those was on Mariota. But they just they really could never get out of the blocks with their running attack, and then that happens, and that's fine. Uh, so let's address the elephant in the room because some of you, since the beginning of the season, have wanted to know why Desmond Ritter was not in. Some of you, as recent as, you know, probably 20 minutes ago, want to know why Desmond Ritter, the rookie, is not in. Because it's not part of the game plan. And I say that because I like Arthur Smith. I think he's a great head coach. I think you guys are seeing that he makes some really good decisions. He's doing some fantastic stuff. I trust him. Arthur Blank trusts him, which is more important. Um... I think you guys, if you will stick to the plan and you will stand by your team, you're going to like where things are going. Are there times where possibly having somebody other than Mariota in could be beneficial? Yes. But at least Mariota is not turning the ball over as much as he has in the past. And let's keep it this way, too. Arthur Smith, you guys trust him? Of course you do. Arthur Smith is at practice every day. He has other coaches, including position coaches, that report to him and say things that they saw in practice that maybe he didn't. Maybe he's with the defensive backs and he can't watch the running backs or he can't watch the quarterbacks or anything like that. If Ritter was ready and they thought he was ready, at least close enough to give it a shot, then he would be in. I don't think there's a setback or a problem. I think with Desmond Ritter, they want to make sure they are absolutely ready to turn over the keys to the car when they do. And I honestly think that in practice, and maybe it's because he gets more reps, in practice, Marcus Mariota is beating out Desmond Ritter. And that is why Mariota is still on the field. 
because you're hanging in there right now. You're still trying to win games. You don't know what you're going to have. You're not at the point where the Colts are, where they have to go for broke and they have to go, well, give us Sam Ellinger because we just what we had wasn't getting it done. We're trying to hang in this race. Right now, the Falcons are hanging in the race and they're winning games. They're just one game under 500 at three and four. And they're tied for the division lead. Not know it. You know what you have in Mariota. You do not know what you have in Ritter. Right now is not the time to take a gamble and figure that and try to figure that out. That is the logic that's being put into this. I know, hey, maybe we'll put in Ritter. He's the next John Elway. Who knows? Maybe he's the next Warren Moon. Maybe he's the next Jamarcus Russell. We don't know. But for now, trust this this Falcons coaching staff. Trust this organization that they're doing everything they can to try to win as many games as they can, potentially win the division or be a wild card because you're still very much in both those races. I honestly think if you can outlast the Bucks implode or the Bucks uh, completely blowing the lid off things, we know that Carolina is in a super rebuild now, a reboot from the almost the beginning. A very, very backloaded they're 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 loading for the future not for right now and the saints are imploding from inside so if you survive those three storms and just let them kind of pass by there's a pretty good chance you might be in contention for this division in in uh what 11 weeks 11 week 10 weeks but they go three and four go to the Bengals. it is what it is that moves us to week eight who do the Falcons have in week eight? Well, I'll tell you. One of those teams I just mentioned. The Carolina Panthers. That's a 1 p.m. Fox game. And that one, I think the Falcons have a really good shot. That's here at home. And what the Falcons are going to do is they're going to um, attack the Panthers, obviously, with the run game. They're going to complement it with a few passes here and there. Let's keep this in mind. I still say Drake London is really good. Kyle Pitts is really good. Part of why they are not being focused is because either A, they are not getting open. Watch the film. Watch the tape. You're watching the same tape I am. We watch the same broadcast. Or they are being bracketed and double teamed. Sometimes they're not getting open. Sometimes they're being double teamed. If you use the run game to open up some smaller passes to other people, Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to be open. But remember, you're not throwing the ball very much. So try to get them involved other ways. I mean, if UGA can use Brock Bowers, a tight end, as a jet sweep and other things in the backfield, why not have one of them come by or do some crazy play uh, to where they, you know, to where they get the ball, just get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And I, I feel like in doing that, you're going to do some good things. Uh, we'll get into our my picks later on in the show. The Falcons game is not one of them because I do I, I just want to say straight up, I think the Falcons are going to win. They are better than the Panthers. They are four and a half point favorites. Yeah, I could see them winning by five or six. That 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 could potentially happen, but we will talk about we will talk about uh, my picks and some NFL games. A little bit later on, but first I want to go to a break where you're going to hear from our friends at betonline.net. And when we come back, 
Uh, we have some Hawks, NASCAR, F1, and more. We'll, we'll be right back after this break. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on that sports show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, but that sports show. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Earlier we talked about the Falcons and the NFL. Uh, If you missed it, go back and check it out. Let me know what you think. You guys know all the ways you can contact the show. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, Let's get into some Atlanta Hawks talk. Hawk talk. The Atlanta Hawks are uh, off to a pretty decent start. I'll give them that. Off to a pretty decent start. So far, uh, so far, they have defeated the Rockets. They defeated the Magic. And they just a handful of minutes ago defeated the Detroit Pistons. So they are uh, hanging in there early. They, they, in the Southeast Division, they are tied with uh, Washington. Charlotte is a game behind. Miami is a couple games behind them. And Orlando is just happy to be here. But uh, they're winning the Southeast at the moment. I feel pretty good about where they are with that. As far as the Eastern Conference, they are the number three team. They're behind Boston and Milwaukee. I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Brooklyn's going to heat up. You know, uh, the Heat, Chicago, some of them could heat up and, lack of a better way, they, they could warm up and make some pretty good runs a little later on. But for right now, being number three, I don't really have a, a problem with that so much. So we knew going into the offseason that – Things this team needed, uh, maybe maybe another big guy, some help down below, but the number one priority was to get a number two, somebody to play alongside Trey. Sometimes potentially take uh, the ball, uh, the ball out of his hands. It's not as far as shooting, but as far as uh, having to play point all the time. You know, somebody that can rotate in and out. And what did they do? They went and got number two. DeJounte Murray. What has DeJounte Murray did so far in um, in uh, three games this year? Well, he's averaging almost 20 points a game. He's averaging seven rebounds, eight assists, three steals, and almost a block a game. What a great number two that is. That is fantastic. He is, he is only second on the team in almost every one of those categories to Trey Young. Trey has... 25 point. He's averaging about 25 points a game. Uh, four rebounds, 11 assists, 
a steal and a block. But he's doing exactly what you wanted him to do. And then you add in John Collins and, and uh, DeAndre Hunter, Kong Wu, Capella. This team is is doing some some uh, really, really good stuff. I like where they're at. And uh, DeJounte Murray is by far the pickup worth having. I told you guys they have played um, uh, three total games. Or no, four total games. And like I said, at three and one, the only game we lost was uh, kind of a stinker on Sunday to the Hornets. It kind of sucked because it was uh, at home, I believe. But uh, 126 to 109. But hey, they just beat the Pistons 118 to 113. Uh, they beat the Magic 108 98, and they beat the Rockets 117 to 107. They regularly are scoring 110 plus points. That is one way to win uh, NBA games if you're averaging over 100 points, especially 110. Uh, that it's that makes the other team have to score 111, and that is a lot of points to ask even in this three-point era. Uh, I very much am glad the Hawks are off to a pretty good start. I know at some point some things will catch up, but I believe as this team evolves and you're starting to see the chemistry between uh, Capella and Akonwu uh, with, with DeJounte Murray and Trey and DeJounte, it seems like they're playing really well off each other. This was a fantastic move by the front office, and I look forward to some fun things uh, coming up. In fact, they, they've got some... Some uh, really good games coming up as they have just had it. There we go. They will face the Pistons again on Friday, 7 p.m. tip-off there. And they will face the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday at 8 p.m. That back-to-back will be a little interesting. And then they will be in Toronto to take on the Raptors on Monday. Halloween, of all things. The Halloween game, 7.30 there. And then uh, potentially before we do another show, next Wednesday, they will be in New York in Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks. They, they finally come back home next Saturday, which should be fun. They get a couple games off after, a couple days off after that Wednesday. Uh, but, hey, go Hawks, right? Go Hawks. Now, let's talk a little. Let's do NASCAR first, right? NASCAR first. NASCAR was in Homestead, otherwise known as Miami, for the second time of the year. And my goodness, what a difference a week makes. Last week, Bubba Wallace finds out that he is suspended for uh, a race by NASCAR for intentionally going after Kyle Larson. Uh, And then with no Kyle Larson on track, I mean, not Kyle Larson, with no Bubba Wallace on the track, to be in his way, Kyle Larson proceeds to win stage one, stage two, and stage three, and led 199 laps in his victory on Sunday. 
uh, a little bit about this race. Uh, first thing I noticed is when they first come on screen is that Dale Jr. needs a haircut. Yeah, you're looking a little scraggly there. Uh, but the pole sitter was William Byron. He had an up and down day, just kind of the way a lot of people had it. Uh, it seemed like the, the other theme all, all day long, too, was the 11 of Denny Hamlin and the one of Ross Chastain, who have regularly traded paint throughout the year in many different incidents. Seem to always find each other. I swear there's magnets in those cars. Always find each other throughout the day. Nothing catastrophic happened. We did not have a repeat of, of last week with Bubba and Kyle Larson, which was nice. Um, the 45 of John Hunter Nemechek, who was taking Bubba's place for this, this particular week, uh, spun out early on in lap 36 of 80. When the restart happened, you had William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Reddick in, in the lead. And then by the end of stage one, it was Larson, Byron, Martin Truex Jr., Reddick, and Austin Dillon, who had a pretty good day. I got to give Austin Dillon credit. He, uh, a lot of people have bad things to say about him or crappy things to say about him. Well, he more than held his own, and he had a pretty solid had a pretty solid day. That was the end of stage one. Stage two started on lap 88 of 267. Uh, it was William Byron, Kyle Larson, Truex, Chase Elliott, and Brad Keselowski to start off. Because they always do pits in between the stages, and that's the way they came out. Um, most, of the, most of the racers did... Green flag pit stops around lap 42 of 85. Uh, Larson was just dominating. I wrote that down midway through the race. He just he just always seemed to have the better car, always seemed to have the better line, even when people would bump him up the track or bump him down the track. And once they bump, not actual, it's just kind of get in one line. He would go to a different line. Uh, he, he just always seemed to find a line he could run at, which is uh, just it's also his skill level. The car is the car. Sometimes factors help or hurt that, but when you just have an A-plus driver, it makes it a lot easier to win races. Uh, the 14 of Chase Briscoe hit the wall and damaged the back right of his car. It did not help his playoff standings. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, that caused a caution. He ended up going to the garage. His day ended up being done because he knew once he went to the garage, it was over. I don't know why. It was like a tie rod or something. I don't know why you couldn't do that on pit road, but they decided not to. And uh, his day was done. We had a yellow flag finish well, with Kyle Larson, Martin Truex, William Byron, uh, Blaney, and Keselowski to round out the top five. That moved us into... Stage three, where it was Larson, Truex, Byron, Blaney, Elliott. Yeah, a lot of the same people were up front most of the day. Uh, it's, stage three started with 97 laps to go. Denny skidded into the wall. He finds a way to skid into the wall with about 85 to go. He was able to recover. He had an okay day. We'll talk about his playoffs in a minute as well. Um, William Byron. 
was in the lead after that restart. Then they started to green flag stop around 61 laps to go, where it was that recent. Well, I think William Byron spun out once he did that in the 24 car. Uh, Logano, Blaney, and Elliott all were in the lead or toward the front there. There was a caution where the 12 of Blaney spins on the access road. He was coming out of the pits and just spun it sideways. Uh, the restart was 51 to go, where it was Truex, Chastain, Larson, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick, who found his way to the front. The 8 of Reddick uh, smashed into the wall with 23 to go. The restart there, you had uh, Larson, who spun. Truex, uh, well, Larson spun Truex in the pits. And somebody, and a lot of people would say, the only person that was giving Larson any kind of big headache throughout the day was Martin Truex Jr., who has just had the most upside-down year I've ever seen. I mean, the upside-down on Stranger Things has nothing on the, the year that Truex has had. Every time he's had one good break, he has three bad. It's uh, just been insane. But uh, they were both behind each other. Truex was basically about to overshoot his pits as a bunch of people were coming in for a pit stop. Larson was right behind him. And by right behind him, you probably couldn't have put a piece of paper in between them. As he tried to very, very late get into his pits, Larson couldn't get out of the back of him and spun him around where he did a 180 and slid into his pits. Nobody got hurt or anything like that. NASCAR went back and looked at it and said yeah, everything looked clean there. It, it looked like they both made mistakes, which post-race they both admitted to uh, potentially making mistakes and that the sun shines right there where it's so – they both said the sun shining in right there makes it hard to see coming in. So uh, that played a part as well. But uh, that that uh, pretty much had a lot to do with, with uh, Turex and, and uh, him finishing a little further back than he wanted to. Uh, the restart was with 17 to go. We get Larson, Hamlin, Chase, or Chastain, Austin Dillon, and Keselowski. And it seemed like Chastain and Hamlin just kept finding each other even late. I really thought the last half of stage three that these two were going to spin each other out, and it's just not going to. It's not going to be great. It's going to be great TV. It's not going to be great for the two of them. Uh, but as I said, the final. Ended up with Kyle Larson wins. You had Ross Chastain second. Almendinger was third. Austin Dillon with a great finish fourth. Probably his best finish outside of the win he had that got him into the playoff initially. Uh, and then Brad Keselowski fifth. What does this do for the playoffs? Well, I'll tell you. Joey Logano with his win. Uh, last week, he's automatically in. He's going to be in the final. Ross Chastain is currently 19 points ahead of the cut line in second. Chase Elliott is 11. William Byron is plus 5. At minus 5 is Denny Hamlin, who is uh, just on the other side of the cut line. Ryan Blaney at minus 18. Christopher Bell at minus 33. And Chase Briscoe at minus 44. What does this mean? Well, it means if you're Christopher Bell or Chase Briscoe, then you have to pull a Christopher Bell from last round and win the last race to qualify into the final, into the next round, which is the final. 
Uh, Christopher Bell is quite good at Martinsville. Chase Briscoe is pretty good. Uh, but those two guys would pretty much, outside of something catastrophic, would pretty much have to win the race to, they have to Christopher Bell their way to, to the final. You know, if you're Ryan Blaney, you need a lot of things to go right. And you would need probably at least two of the four people above you to not only finish behind you, but potentially not finish the race. It's, uh, it's looking a little bleak, but he's pointed his way this far, so we will see. Uh, if you're Denny Hamlin, you just got to finish pretty high up in the race. I think uh, that will help you. Leading laps will help. Winning the race obviously would. If you're William Byron, you're in the same boat. You are the, la- you're the transfer spot. You're the last person in. Uh, and then if you're Chaser Ross, you just try to keep that point lead as much as possible. Basically, you want to finish as close to the front, if not win the race. And just if you're any of these guys, and that way you would make sure that you're in. But uh, that is what they're looking at at the moment. So let's get into some F1. F1, they were down in Austin, Texas as part of their kind of North American swing because they will be in Mexico City this coming up week. Uh, But down in Texas, my goodness, we had chaos on the first lap. And by chaos, I mean we get a yellow flag that ended up being uh, changed to green on lap one, but it was Carlos Sainz got spun around by George Russell, who got into, he T-boned him and spun him around. Uh, he was okay, but he was out. George Russell ended up with a five-second pit penalty later on that he had to serve, uh, but Carlos Sainz completely out. First guy out, first lap. Was basically the first or second turn of the entire race, and you have the second Ferrari driver gone. Um, everybody started with the mediums first, and that did pretty well. Uh, some of them eventually changed to the hards, the hard tire, the hard compound tires about 10 laps in. And that's where you started to see people separate themselves. Some on the medium were doing well. I think Verstappen was making that work. And then some on the hards were just flat out smoking times. Um, Valtteri Bonas did a... Spin, he spun and then crashed into the gravel about lap 18 of 56. We get a safety car in that one. The restart was lap 21. Um, and then we had the Alonzo and Stroll crash, which they just got into each other. Those kind of things happen. They're, neither one of them were, were doing anything more good or more bad than the other. It just were both trying for the same piece of real estate, and they both ended up not doing well on lap that was on lap 22 um and then it ended up uh, it pretty much was just chalk at that point as max verstappen holds on to take the win with uh the fun thing was is we got to see max and lewis hamilton battle and it's been a little while since we've seen the two of them just going for it and they they both were uh, the only thing they were really racing for was Verstappen was able to honor uh, falling, fallen Red Bull uh, founder 
who had passed away recently, uh, uh, just, you know, days before the race, by winning this and winning the Constructors' Championship, which is the team championship for people who don't watch F1. Uh, if you're not watching F1, you, gosh, you're missing out. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, but having Max and Lewis go at it with uh, Charles Leclerc right behind them, that was – it was some fantastic racing. Max was able to, to keep – Keep ahead of everybody, though, and he holds on for the win. That is his 13th win, I believe, of the year. He is approaching just unbelievable elite company in the magical year that he is having. Uh, as I said, Red Bull wins the Constructors' Cup. And uh, overall, I thought it was a good race. You had Danica Patrick that was doing a lot of uh, guest announcing and analyst work. Uh, I, I never know that guy's name, but the guy who was on the grid early on interviewing so many random people between drivers to celebrities to whoever. Wow. He, he did. He, he always earns his paycheck and he did such a fantastic job. I mean, he found, you know, he would talk to Max if he was down there. He would find Trey Cool from Green Day that was walking around down there. Just anybody he found that would be interesting, he was able uh, to do that. And uh, just a fantastic job that he does. But as I said, this weekend they are in Mexico City for the Mexico Grand Prix. That will be Sunday at 4 p.m. on ESPN. As the defending champion is Max Verstappen. And... He would be a pretty good pick to probably win this again. I am going to say, gosh, we're getting so close to it being a year where Lewis Hamilton does not win a race. I think his teammate George Russell is, I'm just going to keep saying George Russell for a while. I really feel good about him. Uh, McLaren and Williams actually had pretty solid days. Uh, AlphaTauri, a lot of these teams actually put in some pretty solid performances. Even the Haas team and started to put together some good runs here late in the year. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go George Russell or Lewis Hamilton to win uh, this particular race. As I said, Sunday at 4 p.m. on that. You've got the Falcons. That will be Sunday at 1 p.m. And you have... Where is it? We had it. And you have Sunday in Martinsville, 2 p.m. on NBC. So, wow, you're going to get one, two, and four. That's a uh, set your DVRs, folks, or get extra batteries for the remote. Uh, but 2 p.m. on Sunday, NBC is the Martinsville NASCAR Cup Series will be at Martinsville. The defending champion is Alex Bowman. I actually think it's going to be one of the playoff guys that wins. I know that narrows it down to eight people, but I will go so far as to say, to pull up the rankings again, you guys know I want to say Denny, but I believe that either Christopher Bell or Ross Chastain are going to win this race. It's going to be one of those two, either the number two or the number seven, uh, in the playoff standings. But so much going on, so many great things, especially here in Atlanta. You know, there was uh, a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of heartbreak between the Braves and United. 
they're going to have good off seasons. You guys are going to love what they're going to do next year. I really have good, good, uh, good faith in that and the organizations to do really great things. The Hawks kicking kicking off and, and kicking derriere. That's going to be good. We're hoping to make it down to some games this year. I know I have a nephew or two, maybe even a niece that, that wants to go check that out. We're going to see what we can do there. Uh, actually, go see the Skyhawks as well. They play over there at College Park. Uh, call up their front office. Try to speak to my good buddy, Wyatt, that is uh, a ticket executive there. Shout out to him. He did some great things at the Gladiators. Now he's over there with the Skyhawks. Keep doing big things, uh, Wyatt. And... Uh, Falcons are on the up and up. They're going to win this week. They're going to be back at four, four and four. Be back at five hundred. It's a good time to be a sports fan, but it's a great time to be an Atlanta sports fan. So, until next time, we will see you guys next week. This has been another great edition of that sports show. Deuces, gooses. <laughs>